so many people are choosing the travel option, which is great. I think travel. But do you think it's realistic that we could even, you know, a 16-year-old now could even get into the property market where I think the average price in Sydney is like 800000 I think they still can. So this story is not new. You can look back and there's newspaper mm. clippings from uh, 1915 that talks about how the property market's so high and how unaffordable it is. And Welcome to the Driven Young Podcast with Byron Dempsey, dedicated to educating and inspiring the younger generation around entrepreneurship and practical life skills we aren't taught in school. Created for young people who seek direction in establishing their goals and passions. This podcast provides a platform for discussing the steps taken by professionals in their field related to handling finances, making money online, starting a business, growing a network and much more. And now your host, Byron Dempsey. Welcome back to the Driven Young Podcast. Today's episode is all about finance, budgeting and saving for young people and how you can use it to get a head start in life. When I think of the most important topics we didn't learn in school and what I want to cover on this show, financial literacy and a basic understanding of how to budget, save and invest your money is hands down one of the biggest topics I want to cover. That is why today I sit down with business owner, mortgage broker and financial expert Nathan Smith to discuss what he thinks young people like yourself need to be learning in high school when it comes to finance and investing. We discuss if you should buy a home, is it even possible to buy a home nowadays, should you travel instead? practical takeaway tools on how to budget, the power of being young and utilizing compound interest, and much, much more. I know money isn't the most exciting topic, but it is one of the most important things we should be learning, seeing as everyone uses money and needs it to survive. I hope you enjoy this episode, and don't forget to subscribe to the show for more episodes like this. Now, over to Nathan. All right, Nathan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, Really looking forward to this, but just as a bit of a over, a bit, bit of a why should we listen to you? Um, tell us a bit about your story. Um, what did you do after high school? Um, what are you currently up to? And yeah. Yeah, so I'm a local Sutherland Shire, born and bred, never left. So yeah, the stereotype yeah. of the Sutherland Shire here in Sydney. Uh, went to the school within walking distance of where we are now, Miranda. So, uh, And then working literally across the road from where my high school was. So I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but <laughs> um, just haven't left. So uh, after high school, uh, it definitely showed I had a knack for numbers uh, math and science I was particularly good at and uh, leading into the HSC I got a phone call from uh, the Dean of Engineering down in Wollongong and he invited me to go and study physics down there and at that stage I wasn't really sure where to go or what to do so I oh, took physics. up the offer uh, to go and study physics and uh, realised pretty quickly that I wasn't passionate about it I had no real interest it was just something to uh, take up the hours after yeah, high school yeah. had finished so, uh, which is was, a, a, quite a common a common thing that a, pe- a lot of young people are doing, I would think. You know, say, so I don't know what to do. I've got an opportunity or I've got the ATAR that can- allows me to get into this course. Yeah, so it was, certainly wasn't me driving it. The, the phone call came and said, do you want to have a go? And I said, yep, right, I will have a look at this. Yeah. Uh, stepped into that and uh, realized it wasn't for me and my grades were showing that as well. So dropped out and uh, I went straight into sales. I actually was knocking doors for oh, really? two years. So really? two years I was a door knocker. Um, and uh, if ever you want to go into any sort of sales environment, uh, that's a pretty pretty tough way to learn, and, and certainly uh, gives you a thick skin. Uh, I guess having doors slammed in your face and mm. being called everything under the sun makes it a lot easier nowadays if somebody tells me that they're not that interested. 
it, it certainly uh, it's not certainly puts everything in perspective. Yeah, yeah. So uh, from there, I moved, to, continued in sales, uh, started working in the automotive industry, and eventually uh, felt like I wanted to move towards finance. That's what I really uh, had a knack for. So while I was in the automotive industry selling cars. Uh, they have a department there purely for finance and it's something I wanted to do. So mm. what I offered to do was to study uh, the finance side of things in my own time and if an opportunity came up, then I'd take it. So, so And what were you do- currently doing in that? As it, what was your role with that automotive? In place? sales. Oh, so, so you're sales, yeah, and then, yeah. but you're interested in finance. So you yeah. just put yourself out there and said, hey, if there's an opportunity. I just sat down with the GM and said... Uh, that's where I want to head towards. I know there's no jobs available now. Can I start my study now? Um, Great. Get myself in a position where I'm accredited and then if something comes up, I'm right to go. And within about five months, a role came up and I stepped across into that. So yeah. uh, started to learn a lot more about finance there. Uh, I liked the job, really liked it. However, the automotive industry is very much weekend-based and my uh, wife worked Monday to Friday. And there was a month in uh, June being the busiest month where I hadn't actually seen her all month. And really? at that point, it made the decision that uh, this wasn't a lifestyle uh, for me. Uh, I needed my weekends back. And uh, I went and spoke to my mortgage broker, the guy who had got me alone. I said, I want to be a, a mortgage broker. I want to head there. How do I do it? And he said, when do you want a job? And that's how we started. There you go. So 12 years on now, uh, I spent uh, nine of those years in, as an employee, so sitting under someone's business, learning the ropes, mm. learning about finance and marketing. And uh, the last three years have stepped out to, and started Birdie Wealth. So that's Really, only three business. years? Yeah, yeah. So it's, a, oh, it's man. a small company. But we've had good growth, really strong figures. Uh, we've got seven in the team now. Uh, we'll finalist in about eight national awards last year, um, winning a couple. So, yeah, it was a really, really good year and really good result. Yeah, great. And um, I like the point you made. There's kind of two cool things you mentioned there but i really like how you you were i guess proactive in the way you went to your gm and you said hey i'm interested in this how do we you know i know nothing's available right now i don't expect you to do anything but i just want to let you know um how can you help me you know achieve this basically but or it was as, as simple as can you keep your eye out or if there's an opening let, let me know sort of thing i think and, so i mean you you should be always asking the question don't say no for them, I guess. Uh, yeah. we, we were talking about this the other day in the office, but don't say no for the person. Ask the question and the worst outcome is no. Yeah. And as you mentioned, you've built up that resilience through two years of door knocking. Um, which, And I'd be curious to know, how has that sales skills that you've built, has that applied in your life and business? Has that been useful? Absolutely. I think uh, sales is an important part of any business owner. Yeah. That they have to learn to sell a product or, or sell a service. If they can't do that, uh, they can't build a business. That's yeah. how you get cash flow. That's how you actually earn an income. So I think learning that way, you found out what the fundamentals of sales are and it's been the same regardless of if it was uh, selling an electricity plan door-to-door, whether it was cars, um, whether it's finance. Sales is all the same thing. It's building a relationship, seeing if there's the needs or wants for the product you're after and and then asking them for the business. Yeah, awesome. And so why finance? You mentioned you you know, you know kind of got into finance and um, as we're talking to a younger generation, I, I want to talk about how important it is um, and just kind of reaffirm that we should be starting now as opposed to waiting until we're 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever age you are. Um, why finance and why do you think it's important that people get control of their finance i think the thing with finance is it can be quite intimidating it's Mm. almost like a foreign language 
there's so much terminology there's so many things to know that quite often people don't take action straight away because they're scared or they they haven't gone and, and asked the right questions so I think you should have a good basis and understanding of exactly how your finances work, where your money is going, what is interest, how does it work, are you paying it or are you receiving it, mm. uh, and get your head around that because the advantage of starting young is time is your friend. Yeah. Uh, compounding interest is called the eighth wonder of the world. This thing's fantastic. <laughs> if you can learn how to use it effectively, uh, by the time you retire, it can make such a big difference. Um, yeah. I'll give you a, a, a bit of a an example of that is uh, when we talk about compounding interest and we talk about uh, being younger and having so much time. So I'll, I'll ask you a question, Byron. If, you, if I could give you two things, if I could give you a suitcase that has a million dollars in it mm. or if I could give you a coin that's worth one cent that doubles every day just for a month, so for 30 days, what would you take? Yeah. I mean, at, at first glance, you want to go, well, surely a million. But I've heard this before. Yeah, that's right. It sounds too good to be true, right? So one cent coin, so just one cent that doubles to two cents, it doubles to four four cents, um, certainly ends up the more favorable option. I think we end up around the five million mark. So it's just that power of time. And that's only 30 days. 30 days. And from one cent, I mean, I guess once you break down the math, it's obvious. But without thinking about it, it seems like impossible. And that, that, you know, that applies that 30, you make that 30 days, 30 years, and that's when we start to get that sort of growth in real terms. That's right. So if we can build up those good habits, whether they're savings habits, whether they're contributing more to your super, whether it's buying a property and holding property and allowing time and interest to accumulate over mm. decades, uh, that's where we can get an advantage when we're younger. Yeah, great. And just to, I guess, go back a sec, what actually is compounding? We just gave an example, but if we could like define it and how to, you know, that's a probably extreme example because it's doubling every day, but what's a realistic example of compounding? Uh, well, compounding interest is just interest where it adds on to its own interest it, and it could be calculated daily, monthly or yearly. So probably the most common one most people would know would be a savings account. So you have a look now at a high interest savings account, unfortunately isn't particularly say, high anymore. They don't really exist, do they? They still call it a high interest savings no. account. So 2%, I don't know 2% if we call doesn't. that high percent. But uh, let's use that for an example. So essentially what they do is every single day they calculate how much money you, uh, you have in that account and they pay you interest on it daily. So holding that money in, what happens at the end of the month is you are paid your interest. Then the following month, you're paid interest on the amount that you have plus the additional interest mm. that they've paid you. So it's that compounding effect that works time and time again. Yeah. On a larger scale, you might see it with property. So they talk about growth rates with property. Uh, and that could be a property worth 300000 If that grows in value, it's then worth more the following year the growth on that property is then based on the new value. So that's how we get that compounding effect where property grows in value. Yeah, great. And do you think, you know, I think a huge problem that our generation faces is there's kind of like, there's always people do interviews and stuff and they'll be like, so would you rather travel or buy property? I feel like it's often, you know, people will often choose one or the other. Um, They'll be like, oh, I want to travel. I'm young. I want to get property early so I can, you know, you know, be smart financially. But, I feel like more and more people are traveling is getting cheaper and property is getting more and more expensive. So many people are choosing the travel option, which is great. I think travel, but do you think it's realistic that we could even, you know, a 16 year old now could even get into the property market where I think the average price in Sydney is like 800,000. I think they still can. So uh, this story is not new. You can look back and there's newspaper Mm. clippings from 
1915 that talks about how the property market's so high and how unaffordable it is and and how could you ever buy a unit in Cronulla for 48,000 that's ridiculous yeah um, I know my parents uh, were had received quite stern words from their parents uh, because they bought a block of land for 40000 and put an $80,000 house on it, and they thought that was ridiculous. You'd never pay that off in a lifetime. So I think it's all relative. Mm. Uh, I think property is expensive because it's in such high demand, and we have to understand that that is what is keeping the prices up, is that strong demand for property. Uh, in relation to travel versus property, we certainly shouldn't just be living at home as a hermit and never traveling yeah. there, is, there is a compromise there somewhere what we don't want is what we talked about before is just saying well it's too far away it's impossible to get to i'm, I'm burying my head in the sand and i'm just going to spend it all on travel yeah or and it doesn't be travel it could be you know cars it could be just wasting it in general not having a saving strategy i talk about parkinson's law which i'm a huge fan of so it's basically if you've got a thousand dollars in your bank account this week, you're going to spend a thousand, or you're going to spend. Versus if you put five hundred, five hundred straight into savings where you can't see it, you, you're going to find a way to spend that five hundred or live with that five hundred you got left. And I think that's a powerful skill people can start if they start putting in young. And you know, for me, I remember part of my mindset is like, why would I bother saving now when I'm sixteen or seventeen, earning nothing basically, like hundred dollars, two hundred dollars a week? When you know, when I've got a full time job, I can save that in two or three weeks, like. But can you see what you think? I think it's just a habit. Getting into that habit, getting into the flow, uh, setting a goal for getting a property or maybe having two separate accounts, one for traveling, one for property. And traveling's never been cheaper. Like you can still travel. Mm. Yeah, I think can. it's about uh, starting younger means learning money and learning how money works and learning how to avoid debt, learning how to avoid personal debt, personal loans, credit cards when you're younger. Mm. So... You're right when you're 16 and your your paycheck's 120 bucks for your your job after school. It's it's not particularly motivating to watch twenty dollars yeah. go into an account and and earn two cents interest on it. <laughs> but what it's doing is starting to create good habits. Uh, so that's important. Is if we put money aside based on our level of motivation, we'll see it fluctuate. So some months we'll be motivated, some months we won't be, and you just won't get that steady increase and the consistency. Yeah, if we use habit instead and say, well, this is our habit that uh, 15% of our income goes into our savings account the day we get paid. And like you said, you then learn to live off the remainder of the money. Exactly. And it's not, honestly, it's not even a habit for me. It's just automated. I don't even look at it. I guess it's habit um, getting used to living off what I've got left. But with today's technology, you can just automate it. Um, obviously, if you're on a part-time job and you get paid $600 one week and 400 the next, you probably can't automate it. You've got to be a bit more manual. But I think that's the beauty of leveraging the technology. And that's the rule there is pay yourself first. Yeah. So once your pay hits the account, pay yourself. As in savings. Correct. So that's paying you. So you've paid your money into that savings account and then live off the rest of the money. Yeah. The alternate way of spending throughout the week and seeing what's left over on Sunday night and, and chucking it in the savings account just means you're inconsistent. You're mm. not going to get that, that same level of And you're of probably always going to have less. Yeah, absolutely. And the same thing works if you've got a home loan. Pay yourself first. Pay the home loan, pay any additional repayment that you want to, and then learn to live off the remainder of the wage. Yeah, great. Awesome. And I'd be curious to know, I personally think, you know, the schooling system does a rubbish job of finance. Honestly, it does nothing. It does zero, teaches you zero, anything about finance. I did economics 
one of like 18 no 18 of like you know 180 in our class in our year and even then we learned some different some finance stuff but not much we didn't learn we learned different versions of taxes like we learned about taxes in other countries which is helpful right, i guess yeah, yeah. but you know i love r- rather get more into taxes here and stuff what if you were like teaching a school if you were to set up a program what would you be teaching you know senior high school uni students about probably three things would be looking at so the first one is how to budget properly how to use a real budgeting tool and how to use one that's realistic. So I should put money aside to go out for dinners. I should put money to go outside. For yeah, we're not saying friends. be, you know, don't sacrifice your lifestyle. No. I mean, sacrifice parts of your lifestyle. We don't have to sacrifice never traveling, never having fun. You yeah, know, easy to, easy it's balanced. Yeah, it's balanced. So learning how to use a, a budgeting tool. And there is one on the ASIC website called Money Smart. You download it. It has categories for takeaway for... Uh, lunches at work for eating out so it is a realistic budget that you can put some some figures into and come up with something at least you've got a good understanding there of where your money is going so Mm. that's the first one i'd be doing Um, the second one i'd be doing is what we spoke about before is teaching people how to automate their cash so all these systems can be set up automatically you can have direct debits on your bills have your uh, savings be pushed out and automated and give yourself uh, an adult version of pocket money to spend for the rest of the week mm, and live yeah. on that tight budget. Uh, and the third thing that I'd be talking to them is about how to avoid personal debt and how to delay gratification. So there is a big, big amount of study about the how successful you will be is determined by your ability to delay gratification. Uh, a, a study they do with four-year-olds is when they put the marshmallow in yeah, front the of classic. the four-year-old and they, they step out of the room and see if the child can wait a few minutes and they'll get twice as many marshmallows. So uh, my question to you is that can can you as a listener, can you do that? Can you avoid the, the afterpays? Can you avoid the credit cards and hold off and save some money and then purchase the item yeah. rather than wanting it today? And afterpay is a big one. Like afterpay... I think they came, I, I saw some article, they're like in a billion dollar business. They're ridiculously, and they only came, you know, within the past decade or less, I think. You know, yeah. they're, they're relatively new. That yeah. afterpay sing- symbol, everyone knows, you know, I think it's blue and black. You see it at every store now. Yes. Um, it's dangerous. They're working off people's ability to be impulsive yeah. and not be able to delay mo- delay that gratification. gratification. Yeah. So that... That is what you have to do is be able to walk away, say, I don't have the cash for it yet. I'll save for it and get into that. Because if you get into those bad habits, they can snowball and escalate. Yeah. And I guess I wouldn't be saying never do it. If you really need it and you, you need it now and you know you can pay it off, sure. But it's once again, it's building that. If you do it once and you're, and you're, you know, you, you're only doing it, like, it's just a one time, I just need it. But then once you do it again and again and again, and suddenly you're just relying on that. And it's like, you know, you'll get your pay. And in your head, you're going, oh, it doesn't matter because I can use afterpay. That's right. It's only 40 bucks here or 15 yeah. bucks here. Uh, but again, it's all just building good, strong habits that will then be more effective as your wages go up and as your responsibility goes up later. And this is all new for, I guess, our generation. You know, younger people are coming into, they've got to resist social media. They've got to resist technology. Now they've got to resist afterpay. It's like we're not, you know, used to this. Well, and so it's all it's all new. And it's, as we said, we're not taught it because it is it is quite new. I think our ability to get something uh, quickly now is ex- is expected. Yeah. Right. Nobody's ordering clothes online and waiting ten days for a pair of jeans. Right. Yeah. We want them tomorrow. That's just how it is. Or four hours, according to some companies. Yeah. So it's it is something new. We uh, we can get our food online. We can get our clothes online. Everything can happen straight away. 
so the art of of delaying gratification is not as common nowadays, but uh, but certainly as strong as it's ever been. Yeah, and I think it's super important. Almost every episode, in some way or another, I talk about stop getting used to short term, you know, short term gains or short term gratification, and start playing for long term gratification or long term gains, whatever you want to call it. Because it doesn't matter if it's finance, if it's you know relationships, you know, she might be fun now, or he might be fun now, but really he's toxic or she's toxic. And it's, you know, it, it, it goes across everything. And so it's a great point. And um, so that's, so that's a good, good stuff around finance. I also, before we got more into finance, you mentioned you'd, you'd be interested in talking about why you get up at 4 a.m. every morning. Yeah. Because yeah, um, so 4 a.m. is bloody early. It is. Um, <laughs> and uh, I do have young children, so they can be up at all sorts of hours. Uh, but the reason I got in the habit of waking up early was I... You know, everyone's read a hundred articles that say oh, successful people wake up early. Yeah, yeah. Let's see the habits of of these people. See what they do early in the morning. Uh, and so it was November, about eighteen months ago. I decided to give it a go for a month. I said, let's try for one whole month to get up throughout the workday, uh, get up every morning, start my day, and uh, and see if there's any benefit or not. So mm. I was going in. Um, very unbiased if it worked it worked if it didn't it didn't but i thought let's give it a go and see how it how it happens the month finished and i was happy things were going well business was going well my health was better i felt like i had a lot more time so i just continued on with that so what it essentially is doing at the moment is allowing me to get up and get on top of the day with the team getting bigger now and a young family i've got some hours to myself with the phone not ringing yeah emails not firing off and i can really delve into those big picture uh, scenarios. So whether that's a client's complex lending scenario, whether that's something uh, marketing based for the business, I can really delve into something a little bit deeper when my mind's kind of focused and switched on, there's no distractions. The kids can then wake up about uh, two hours later, spend some quality time with them, hang out with them and then head to the gym and still be in the office by nine o'clock ready yeah. to go. There you go. Because I've started getting up at 6 a.m. And uh, someone is t- t- tough, and four is even earlier. Do you um? Does it get easier? It like, does. Do you get used to it? <laughs> yeah, it was only about four or five days, I think. But just for your body to get used to that new time, uh, after you start getting to bed on time, getting to bed early, making sure you still get your sleep. Mm. Once you got into those habits, it was just you're still sleeping the same amount. You just uh, instead of doing an hour and a half of netflix at night you're doing an hour and a half of work in the morning so it's just yeah. taking unproductive hours and turning them into productive ones yeah nice and um yeah that's interesting you say that because um i find in the morning you know i think someone said that's when you're most productive even if you've got the same amount of distractions but in the morning you don't which is beautiful um but they say that's often a lot of people are most productive in the morning that's when you can get more done even for anyone who's listening to this who don't have kids and don't have a business and stuff even for study you know, I personally, I, I can't understand how people will study until like 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning. I'd rather just go to sleep at 11 o'clock and wake up earlier and nut it out then when I'm fresh. Yeah, again, for me, I my message is to have a go. Have a try, see if yeah. it works for you. That's all I did is I, I went in and read the research and the studies and thought, well, let's try it, see, see how I feel after mm. a month. And uh, the results last year, we had our best years as from a business perspective, from a health perspective. I'm healthier and fitter than I've been for years um, and still able to fit in all that gym and fitness around family, around business. So 
um, yeah, I'd, I'd encourage people to give it a go. Yeah, great. And it's the other thing I think is just discipline. Mm. It creates really good discipline because you and I, we both have our own business, which means, you know, if I want to sleep in, I can sleep in. There's not really any direct consequence. I don't have a boss who's going to be on my ass. I don't have to be in the office by nine o'clock or by eight o'clock. And so that's where I find is that's where the difficulty comes in. You know, like a tradie or someone who has to be at work at this time, that's almost accountability. But if you're in high school or uni, you know, and what's the point of hopping up, getting up at six? Yeah, I think, uh, so I got it from a guy called Jocko. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, Jocko that, Willick. His name yeah. is Seal. So that's, that was kind of the final message I heard that made me decide to have a go at it. And I guess what he describes is the fact that by getting up early, it means you can have a few good wins before nine o'clock. So if before nine o'clock my emails are clear, my team's set up with all their daily tasks, I've had a chance to spend some quality time with the kids and I've got Jim in it and now it's nine o'clock when most people are just <laughs> yeah. having their first coffee, you feel so accomplished. And you can't compete with that. Yeah. If you're getting if you're no if you're getting in by nine, doing none of that in the morning, you're waking up at eight, getting in by nine. How can you compete with someone who's just done all this, all this by nine o'clock? And it means I don't have to work the weekends that some other business owners are working. I don't mm. work Saturday. I don't work Sunday. I save that time for my family. But by doing the two extra hours every morning, I'm fitting in an extra day each week yeah. and still getting the quality family time and not having to go to the office on a Saturday, feeling guilty because my family's at home, having family time. Yeah, uh, I'm able to get rid of that guilt and just have productive hours in the morning. Yeah, so it's just prioritizing really. And finding time, like everyone has time. We all have the same amount of time in a day. But we don't say that, do we? No. If, if someone asks you, how are you? What do you say? You say, I'm busy. Yeah, so yeah. So busy, like I'm so busy. And then you ask them what they're doing and they've, you know, what Netflix series they're watching. And yeah, they're, yeah. They're hammering out one in two days. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So are they busy or are they just choosing where they use their time? Exactly. And there's nothing wrong with choosing Netflix if that's what you want to do. But don't complain about your time that's if you're right. going to be watching Netflix or playing PlayStation or um, doing that all night. That's why... I, I don't think I work... I could work harder, but I don't want to. But I'm not going to complain about not having enough time. The second I do, I catch myself complaining about not having enough time. I'm like, okay, what have I just done in the past week? And if you took it up, I've probably done... I mean, just check my bloody Apple phone analytics. I've probably k- killed, you know, an hour a day on there at least. That's a big one. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think it's all perspective too. Like, I always like to look at someone in a similar position to me and it's not hard to find you know, world leaders or other yeah. other major business owners who have families, who have bigger businesses than you that work a lot harder than you and they're not complaining about how exactly busy they what are. exactly what I do. So, so it's I try, relative. I don't compare myself to the people around me. I compare myself to those sort of people. Like I, I just finished reading Elon Musk's book and that'll make you feel bloody inadequate, inadequate about how hard you're working. He's, you know, he's got five kids and he's running two huge companies and like the hours he's putting in are just ridiculous. And it's like, that's who I try to compare. I don't want to work that many hours. I don't plan to. But if that's like a benchmark, it's like, stop comparing yourself to you. You know, if you've got some drop-kicked friends or something, it's like, oh, they're playing PlayStation. I'll just play PlayStation. Once again, there's nothing wrong with that. I play PlayStation. Just don't complain about your time. It's just prioritizing it. Correct, yeah. Um, I want to ask a question about cars. Yes. So I like talking about cars because I just think they're such a bad investment. When you're young, Mm. brand new cars, that is. Yep. So obviously, I'm not saying like people need cars, you need to get to work, to yep. and from work. Yep. Um, but a brand new car, it's that exact same thing we just mentioned. It's instant gratification. I can get it now. You know, Maybe I've only got three grand in my account, so I can't afford to get a five grand car, but I can afford to get a 40 grand car because I can get the loan. And that's where car you know, manufacturers and that's what they're playing off. Um, I'd be curious to think a lot of people justify their, 
you know, justify getting a car or whatever because it increases their credit rating. What are your thoughts on, on like a car loan increasing credit rating? Is that actually a good thing? Uh, it doesn't really have a huge effect on your credit rating. So the credit rating system in Australia is a negative system. So it only hits you if you default. So if you're late on payments, if you're late. So uh, it doesn't really increase your credit rating, not for the amount of interest that you're paying and not for the for what you're spending on the actual car. So yeah, when it comes to cars, if that's your vice, if that's what you want, go mm. for it. Just make sure you're doing it for you. It's what you actually want. You're not, not doing it to, to get a photo for Instagram. Impress or, everyone else. Or to keep up with someone else who probably can't afford their car either. Coming out of that side of things, I worked with um, you know some higher-end brands like Lexus uh, and some of the more expensive Toyotas as well. And we saw that it, the people over at Lexus weren't necessarily better off. Yeah, uh, They just took bigger loans. Is that a good thing? I don't know. Mm. And Lexus is Toyota's company, isn't it? So that's, that's like right. the premium version. A lot of yeah. people don't realize that. That's right. So yeah, Toyota has Lexus as their premium, just Correct. as a marketing perspective, because they're not getting a, a cheap Toyota or whatever it is. Um, yeah, do you think if we were to chat about what are the biggest mistakes you, you see people making financially, I'd say, I don't know, brand new cars would be in there. And I guess when I'm, say, people with more young, younger people, what do you think are the biggest financial mistakes they're making? And how can we avoid making those mistakes? Credit cards can be super dangerous. Yeah, so tread tread really cautiously prior to getting one. Start with something with a really low limit and learn how to use it. Learn how to spend the money, pay it back each month. Uh, it's not a line of credit. It's not something to leave debt on. Uh, if you look at the numbers on having a balance on a credit card and making the minimum repayment and how long it would take to pay it off, you're talking 45 years, 60 years. It's yeah. just ridiculous. Uh, and to break that down, so when when you get a credit card, they tell you, oh, the minimum payment you have to make to pay this off is X amount. Yeah. And yeah. they tell you the minimum payment. And if you do actually, realistically, you want to pay a lot more than that so you can pay it off quicker. But you're saying if you hit the minimum payments, it can take you decades. It will now say that on your statement how how many decades it will take for you to pay off your card on the minimum repayment. So that's been introduced. Wow. But you need to clear it every month. You put the debt on, you clear it every month. If so yeah, building that habit. Yeah, if there's a... There may be a month or two where an unexpected bill comes up, you've been sick or injured, the car breaks down and, and you have to roll it over for a couple of months, but it can't be a habit of leaving debt sitting on a credit card. So, uh, yeah, back to it. I think you can you can only control how much you earn so much. If you're in a certain industry, they earn more than others. Other industries earn less. You may be really new in your career and you've still got to cut your teeth, do your time on lower wages. But what you do have a lot of control over is your spending habits and what mm-hmm. you're wasting your money on. Uh, I hate the fact that things like a car is considered an asset. Like, why no is something an asset if I buy it for 30 grand and in 10 years' time it's worth a thousand bucks? Yeah. That's a terrible asset. Like, <laughs> who's going to invest in that? So, it's not an asset, it's a mode of transportation. It costs you money every time you put it on the road. And just understand that, that uh, if you can take that cash, use that in a more effective and a real asset like property or shares, um, then the outcome in 10 years' time is going to be a lot better. And you can get cheap cars. Like, I just got a, I just got a Subaru Forester. It's, a, it's like my dream. It's the best car. It has everything. It was like 10 grand. And I'm um, like, that's amazing. You know, that was how much was that brand new? Probably 50 or 60. Yeah. So you can get amazing cars really cheap. Yeah. I guess the problem is when it's, you know, in that situation, it was from a just a personal guy on car sales, so I can't get a loan for it. Or if you or you can, but it's a lot more expensive when it's not a brand new loan because it's not an asset. 
you know, it's just a personal loan. It's not a car loan. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just don't think it's an, any excuse to be getting a brand new car unless, you know, you're really balling or something. I think it's about, yeah, living within your means, well within your means and not working out where you want to be next year, but maybe where you want to be in 10 or 15 yeah. years time and, and setting your planning and your purchases based on that. Mm. But also, if, you know, for the price, you could travel for two or three years. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which I think is a much wiser investment because when so. you travel, you learn, you get experiences, you get um, introduced to new cultures, you might meet someone, you might meet people who build your network and you get a job through it. Like there's so much more opportunities than getting just a nicer thing that gets you from A to B. Yeah, again, though, it could be, if it's your vice, it's your vice. Yeah, I and get are, that, but um, just they're things to look out for, for sure. Yeah, and everyone's got their thing. You know, you might be a car person, you might... You know, might be shopping for clothes every weekend. You might be a tech person. That's probably me. I like, you know, whatever Apple's bringing out or whatever that is. And um, even I noticed, like, I haven't got a cre- I have one credit card, and that was for when I started the business for Apple to get a laptop because I couldn't afford that and I needed something. And Apple offered 18 months interest free. I was like, you beauty. This is fantastic. And I paid that off with well within 18 months. But once again, you know, Apple give you the minimum payment. If you, that's not going to pay off in 18 months if you do the minimum payment. It's like, and that's where they get you on the interest. Um, but just having that, like I'll often go in and say, oh, I want a new monitor or something. I'll just buy it because I can get it. Because um, you've got access to yeah, that exactly. facility. And I'm yeah. like, this year I can't, yeah. I got to stop doing that. I got to, yeah. I want to pay it off fully because I, I keep getting down and then I'll go back up. I keep getting down and go back up. So it probably sounds hypocritical because I'm talking about <laughs> yeah. we shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. you know, it's, I, it's a small amount of money, mm. but I'm noticing it and I'm like, okay, geez. So I, I, but that's the only I can only spend it at Apple, which is probably good. Yeah, like, it is funny. We've got that expectation now to that we need to have one or two TVs. We've got to have a phone, a laptop. Yeah. And we didn't have that um, kind of fifteen, twenty years ago. You didn't need to have all those electronics and consumables that yeah. you're changing over every eighteen months. But, but well, that's you do. that's what I mean by like you know we have to deal with all this new technology coming out, constantly changing, which is we've probably got more expenses than previous generations, which is our own fault, just because we want the latest iPhone we want this that whatever it is um, when we don't need it and I'm once again I have the latest iPhone <laughs> so I mean that, that's my thing I don't buy clothes I, for me when we were talking about before pay yourself first the way I see it is I pay myself for savings and then I've got um, expenses and then I've got splurge which yep. is fun money yeah yeah it's like 50 bucks a week or something not much but that I often won't spend it for weeks and I'll be like and the whole point of that is you have to spend it on fun stuff, going out, whatever you want. Absolutely. And then the rest is just kind of left out. It's like bonus. That's the way I see it. And that's the way I kind of think about it is my mindset. Like that's just bonus. And that's the message. Again, mm. it's just balance, right? It doesn't have to. I'm not saying scrooge it all away and yeah. don't spend a cent. Just find a find a fair balance. Mm. So we mentioned cars. What else, what else do you think are big financial mistakes younger, younger people are making? Would we say travel is one of them? I don't think so. Yeah. So I haven't mentioned travel. Um, I guess being conscious of what you're spending on travel and, and, again, finding a good balance. Do you need to do six months in Europe? Could you do a couple of weeks in Thailand instead? Yeah. I don't know. Again, people have different vices. So I, can't, I don't want to tell people how to use their money. If yeah. they want to do it, they want to do it. Um, but, yeah, there's some great benefits to traveling as well. But, but again, just finding a balance and... and how you spend your money is completely up to you. Uh, but just being conscious of if you have those real big term goals, if you want to 
have a property by 25 if you want to retire by 40 mm. you can't go and spend 15,000 bucks on travel in a year yeah. and expect to get there you just can't do it so because um, you're not earning while you're traveling that's right so it's $15,000 of travel but it's also six months of no Lost income yeah. yeah yeah so it's probably more like $30,000 worth of um, but once again, priorities. Um, so I, I, let's not classify travel as a expense people are making. What else do we see young people, big mistakes they're just, making that could affect? Just anything that's consumable that you've got easy access to. Uh, things like uh, we have a lot of subscription-based yeah. uh, items now that we didn't have before, and they do add up. Like do you need, do you need five streaming services? Can mm. you have one? Can you have two, right? I think uh, we split it. My family, we, we only pay for one each and then we it. share it. That's it. There's plenty of tricks, plenty of tricks around. Uh, but they're the sort of things that can creep up. Do you need a $100 a week gym membership? Would a $20 a week gym membership do something similar? We start to add up all these bills and we, we add them up over a year or 18 months. This is, we're starting to work towards a, a decent deposit here. Mm. It's hard as well because like, you know, stuff like F45, out of, you know, 45, yep, like yep. 45 is fantastic. Mm. Like 70 bucks a week. Mm. It's just phenomenal expensive. I was blown away. I was like, holy crap. But, you know, if, you've, if all your friends are going there, it's a great social place. It's great for working out and you can kind of justify it. Then, yeah, sure. But like that stuff adds up, as you mentioned. And I've just, you know, as a business owner, I don't have, I've got so many subscriptions as my business. I've got, you know, zero, you know, accounting, accounting software. You've got project management software. I've got Dropbox, Google, I think I've got like $500 a month just in like subscriptions alone. And like that stuff adds up. And add up slowly. Add up real slowly. Uh, it's $6 here, it's $10 here, it's 30 here. And then all of a sudden you're at your $500 a month worth of expenses and wondering where that cash flow is going. Yeah. So, but uh, that comes yeah, back to your, your budgeting tool. That's right. So that's where if you can, if we yep. can use, so I don't actually use a budgeting tool like that for my business I do, but not for my personal. I've just kind of mentally got it. But that sounds like a great tip. Just print out your transaction statements. They don't lie. Uh, yeah. They don't lie. <laughs> They're print them honest. out for three months and and sit there with a highlighter and say, where's my money actually going? What am I allocating? What do I think I'm allocating towards food and what am I actually allocating? Yeah, right. What am I? What do I think I'm spending on entertainment and what is actually coming out? So mm. it is an interesting exercise. It doesn't take long. It would take you an hour to look through your statements it'll take you half an hour to fill out a budget and it will be really interesting I, I doubt very many people would would get their budget compared to what it what the actual figures what they actually them. thought it was yeah, yeah yeah great yeah awesome it's been a great conversation um just before we wrap it up i always like to ask all of my guests what is your number one piece of advice for the younger generation so it's quite a hard question but it doesn't have to be financing it would just be anything what would your number one piece of advice be for the younger generation uh, look for challenges and take on risks. I think it's really good. I you love can that. do that when you're younger. Um, you've got less responsibility. If you're waiting for the perfect time, it's never going to happen. So many people want to start a business. So many people want to travel. Uh, so many people have these great ideas. And taking in action is an action. Uh, I would much rather take an action, fail, and at least say I've given it a go. And learn from your failures. And then, and then continue on. So, yeah, take action, be courageous, and, um, and give something a go. Yeah, and anyone who's listened to my other episode knows I'm a huge believer in taking risk while you're young because you've got no kids, probably. <laughs> no kids, probably basically no responsibilities. It might feel like you do, but you don't in the big picture. You know, if you're still living at home, the worst case scenario if you take a risk is you might lose a bit of money. 
you're still going to have a house over your head, a roof over your head. So you're still going to have, you know, you're going to be fine versus if you've got a wife and a kid or kids and they're relying on your income and you take a risk and eat it. And now you're like, what do I do? I just think, yeah, taking challenges and risk is great. I think so. And uh, it's, then it's all on you. It's your responsibility. You get to drive it and do what yeah. you want. And uh, if you fail, you fail. That's the worst that comes. Awesome. And uh, where can people find you if they want to find out more about your company, more follow you online, more yeah, about yeah. what you do? Uh, birdiewealth.com.au is the website. And we're on all the usual socials, so you can find us on there. A uh, couple of podcasts to listen to. How Gen Y Buy is a really good podcast interviewing other first home buyers on how they mm. did it, what their story is. And we've got a brand new one out called For the Shire, By the Shire. And that's talking to property professionals, experts in around the Sutherland Shire. So um, a few spots to find us there. Yeah, great. So Gen Y, How Gen Y Buy, how that Gen sounds y really buy. good. And B-I-R-D-I-E, Wealth, that's yes, your company. Correct. And if we just search your name... Searches will be on all the usual socials, LinkedIn, yeah, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. Awesome, Nathan. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Byron. Thanks, mate. All right. If you are still here, thank you so much for listening to this entire episode. If you got some value out of it, it would mean the world to me if you left a review on iTunes or shared it with your friends or family. Otherwise, I'll be putting up videos of this episode on Instagram and Facebook. So check it out there at Byron Dempsey or at Driven Young Podcast. And I'll see you on the next one.